2: We roll through it's Thursday afternoon on the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Your one-stop shop for a casino, you like to play lottery, how about this? Uh, a grand a day for t- 20 years. $7.2 million, in case you want to do the quick math. It's not a bad little deal. Get your tickets for that. And the $70 million Lotto Max tomorrow, only at PlayAlberta.ca. I am uh, Jason Greger, Connor Halley. and we're going to welcome in uh, Jason Strudwick to the show. Strud's on, brought to you by G S Construction. Uh, they got a few spots left for uh, pipe layers and equipment operators. Go to Indeed.com and look up G S Construction. Uh, Jason Strudwick uh, joining us from the Memorial Cup. Uh, a little disappointing uh, loss last night for his Cam Loops Blazers. Now Struddy, they're just going to have to uh, win tonight, win tomorrow. And then hopefully win on Sunday. What did you? Uh, how was the atmosphere back in your old barn uh, last night?
0: Well, it was great. It was great to be there and see everybody. Like a lot of old teammates. Uh, you know, a lot of guys we played against or played with are now involved in the league. That so was pretty fun. I mean, it was a pretty disappointing night last night uh, for the Blazers. They're missing uh, a defenseman, Kyle Masters, who's a big part of the group. You know, probably their second best defenseman, but. Seattle looks good. You know, Bill LaForge Jr., give him credit. He's built a, a deep team, a strong team. I mean, they have, you know, first-rounders all over the place on that lineup, and they, they look good. So for Kamloops, it's a tough road. You know, there's a tiebreaker tonight, as you mentioned. they got to win that. Then they repeat and play again on Friday, and then they got to try to win again on Sunday. So it would be four games in five days, and that's a lot. Even for uh, superhuman athletes, that would be a lot of games to try to be when other guys are probably going to be way more fresh. Yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's not an ideal format, but, uh, we'll see what happens if they can, uh, find a way to win. Um, you, you're hanging out with the, you know, guys like Jerome McGinnla and Shane Doan, Straddy, and you're obviously guys are laughing, talking a lot about, uh, your junior days. Um, what about, does a conversation ever come up, uh, as far as like Doan, what he's been involved in,
0: management and stuff? Like, has that
2: ever piqued your interest? You ever want anything like that?
0: Um, yeah, you know, I don't. They, they, yeah, we we talk a little bit about it. You know, there's always rumors about again, like going, you know, joining uh, his old line mate Conroy in in uh, in Calgary when when he's done coaching his son. And you know, there's Ryan Husky was there. He's you know assistant coach of Flames. Who knows what his role will be there next year? And obviously, Donor has been helping out. He, he single handedly led that team to a gold medal at the World Championship. So you talk about their experiences and what it's like. And so for me, I you know, I don't know. I, I, I actually really enjoyed them doing, and you know, I, I guess you never say never. But you know, for for them, they they seem to be on that track. And if we're being honest, none of them have really good personalities for media, so they probably don't have that option. So they got to go into into something uh, where it's just uh, more analytic based. Uh, golfing at all? Did you do anything else while you're there other than watch hockey? No, it was pretty much just watching hockey then uh, seeing, you know, just seeing guys that we play against. But it's, you can't take two steps without running into someone, you know, that you know or whatever and kind of find out what they're doing or what their role is. And then, you know, running some kids you may have coached. Uh, like I ran into the captain of, the, of Seattle, uh, Lucas Siona, local product. And I, you know, I'm not saying I put him where he is, but I, I had a huge role in it, obviously. Uh, but, you know, so you talk to them, see how the tournament's going. Like it's, it's just fun. It's kind of takes you back because when, you know, we all said when we were there, we were, Many years ago, the team that hosted the the Memorial Cup in Kamloops, to, um, you didn't get a chance to really enjoy it. You were there and focused, and I'm not saying it wasn't fun, but it wasn't the same experience as this time. So, like we were in the fan zone, we were walking around, you know, signing autographs, doing all this stuff to kind of just really enjoy the enjoy it as a as a as a fan of hockey. And two nights, uh, you know, and, and saw the different players. It was it was pretty neat to see it. So I'm really glad I went. Um, to see what these guys are, and what it looks like now. It, it, it's junior hockey. The
2: tournament's a lot bigger than when you played, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we were trying to ask guys that were like our assistant coaches. And I asked, you know, we asked them about that. What's the level? Of, and he said, and obviously now with the internet and all that, it's made a huge difference, right? It's just more widespread. way more, um, I do believe TSN carried the games when we, when we were doing it, but it wasn't probably quite as big as it is now. But, um, it's, it's so big and the attention on the stars and the top players and, you know, you know, quite a few players on all the teams just from, you know, through the internet or just kind of researching them all. So that, or even the world juniors, you know, guys representing the world juniors from Canada or whatever team. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal and there's a lot of fans and the fans are buzzing. So, man, it'd be nice for Council to at least get to the next, next game on Friday, uh, just so the hometown fans can stay energized. They like hockey, but they like it more when their team's in it.
2: Oh, 100%. Um, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Dubas, not the GM, but he's the uh, the grand poobah. He's the president and will be hiring a GM. And from some of the names I've heard out there, I'm not sold it's going to be a GM with experience. When, after you read what kind of went on in Toronto, it sure seemed like he just felt like he was ready to be in control of everything.
0: Well, first, we've got to talk about the timing of the news release. It, it was if it wasn't on the same strike of the hour of uh, Toronto's uh, press conference, do or with uh it was damn close. And I love it. I love it you know. And people say that's an accident. Nothing's an accident, right? Nothing's an accident. They they put that out there, trying to you know compete with that news of Toronto and their big press conference with uh, Brad Treliving, the new GM of, of Toronto. So it'll be interesting. I, I I'll be really interested to see who they end up getting and who's the guy that um, takes their spot, but. I think that Kyle wants, it sounds like, and what happened, that he wants to have a little more control over everything, um, and maybe get his finger in some more areas of, uh, the team and this team being, but I stay with my comments. I don't totally understand why he'd go through that. You know, they got maybe two more years. They got to get done in two years and figure out what they're going to do with, uh, this team to try to give, you know, Sydney another chance and, and, and Malcolm another chance to, to be a champion again.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a different place for sure. Uh, then you look at Brad Trelevin, and sorry, I was crunching numbers today. I, Brad Trelevin, when you talk at contract negotiations, I really don't think the Matthews or Marner contracts are that difficult. Uh, I look at Nathan McKinnon. His new contract begins this year at 12.6 million. If you go over the last three years, he's the third high scoring player in the league behind McDavid and Dry Settle. Then you got David Pasternak, who scored, uh, and he signed a new deal that starts this year. At eleven point two five mil, he just scored sixty goals. So is, has Matthews, All right? He's he's I think seventh. Matthews is fifth in, in points. So Matthews is eleven point six. Can you make any viable reason to suggest that Austin Matthews should get paid any significant more amount than than Nathan McKinnon?
0: Well, there's the Maple Leafs factor, right? When you're when you're dealing with the Maple Leafs and members of that, they get inflated, and really their their checks really do get inflated. Um, and we've seen it before with, with many contracts. So, you know, trailing is going to have to be patient through that process and understand that there, there's going to be, you know, that, oh, well, we're Maple Leafs somewhere better than than whatever. And that's – it's true. You know, you ask around, you look at the deals, some have been signed there. You're sometimes wondering why why these contracts have been signed with different players. So, But, you know, those comparables are really accurate. And I think if that's true, the the increase that Matthew's looking for probably – Probably, you know, or whatever you look, it would be hard to, to say, well, I'm worth this or I'm worth that. When you when you look at those comparables you just outlined, especially with the success both those players have had, not just um, as individuals, but as teams, team yeah. members, right, as a member of a team.
2: Oh, without question. I, I think that's what makes it uh, significantly one where you say, hey, wait a sec. Why why is this guy getting paid way more? It just doesn't make sense. And Mitch Marner at $10.9 million, I don't even think he can make an argument that suggests he deserves a raise based on the McKinnon and Pasternak contracts.
0: Yep, yeah, and I, I totally get that. And that, but that's where Brad, I think you have to be really patient in these situations and trying to, you know, because there's a lot of hype and everyone's going to, you know, scrutinize every single move that's made, every comment he makes. Um, and and it's just, you know, being the Maple Leafs different. I remember when Brian McCabe signed his contract. I think it was an extension with with uh, the Leafs. At times, it was like the Leafs are just negotiating against themselves. Right, and the contract got, you know, pretty high.
2: Yeah. So the and you know, I remember Brian Burke being up, like, Well, you know, you gotta pay more to be in Toronto. I'm like, no, if if you believe that, you're screwed before the negotiation Agreed. even starts. So yeah. uh I, I think maybe they might believe it. I don't necessarily think it's true. Right? And I think that might be a little bit of Toronto um inflating their own ego and it ends up backfiring on them.
0: That's well, kinda how them. I view it. it. hurts them. Yeah. You know, like it you You've, that's why I, I think Brad. You know, you, you look at all the available guys that that are known, that are known commodities. I'm not talking about people that have never, never done anything, uh, never been a GM before, uh, like a head head GM. You know, I think that he brings that 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 calmness to to a deal. Like, you look what he went last year with Johnny Goudreau moving away, uh, trading Kachuk because he wants to go. And you know some guys might have panicked and, and, and overreacted or done nothing. Well, he found a way out, and I think his team is better than it, than it, or that that team was better than it showed. Um, You know there were some factors weighing in on it, but now maybe it'll show that this year his his trade was better than 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 it, than it, than, it, than it maybe was received or perceived this year. So I think I think that he's the right guy there. But yeah, trust me, there's a lot of eyes on him. You know it sounds like he wants to keep Sheldon Keefe this year and at least talk to him and see see what that looks like, and that's that's fine. Uh, but you do have to decide what these other guys are going to do with. And then the biggest thing, Gregs, I know that's a pretty big list, is figure out this defense. It is not good enough. Right? Like, yeah. they had a great year. What did they finish fourth or fifth in the league? But I don't think that D is is built to be a Stanley Cup champion. So, how do you upgrade it? Or what do you do to make it upgrade or make it available to upgrade?
2: I yeah, know that's, uh, that's totally fair. I'm the sports leader, TSN 1260. Jason Strudwick joining us uh, from the Memorial Cup, where tonight Peterborough and Struddy's Kamloops Blazers will be a plain elimination game. Winner moves on to the semifinal tomorrow. Struddy also tonight, the NBA final tips off.
0: Who do you like? Well, I don't think I'm the only one, but I, if I was betting, I'd definitely go on Denver. But, you know, you got to give this Heat team something, right? Like Jimmy Buckets, great nickname, by the way. They, they found a way. You know, you think about how close they were to not even making it. And now they're in there and they're at the, the final. So, you know, my gut tells me it's going to be like 4-1, 4-2 quick uh, with Denver. But this team seems pretty resilient. But, I, I don't know, the star power, uh, especially those top two guys, that are, you know, I don't know, Greg, I, do you think it goes any longer than five or maybe six?
2: Like, like if Honestly, I think if Miami gets it to six, yeah. Like that's a really big accomplishment for them, yeah. and I know that. My, sure. I'm not. I'm not trying to be insulting to them. I just. Yeah. I just think the Denver's too good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. And they are. They are very, very good. So, yeah, I. I don't know. Like I, it's a great story, and you you know, you don't want Cinderella's runs to end. But, I got a feeling the lights are turning on here, and it's gonna get pretty ugly for Cinderella and the Heat.
2: Well, uh, Strutty, pace yourself, hydrate, uh, for a big game tonight, uh, back in Kamloops. Uh, hopefully, uh, your, your, your uh, team sends you off with a victory.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Fingers crossed, buddy. We'll talk to you later, guys. There you go. That's, uh, Jason Struddock. Uh, he'll be back
2: in, in studio tomorrow. So, uh, out oh, to reliving his, uh, glory days in Kamloops back to back Memorial Cup champions 94 and 95 study was a pretty big part of that actually led to him uh, getting drafted in the 30th, in the third round by the New York Islanders let's take a quick break uh when we return we got uh, more on the uh Situation. We'll hear from uh, Connor Hallie. actually, and, uh, tell me I'm wrong. Next, on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 3.30 a.m. with the sports leader, TSN, uh, 1260. Guys, got a lot of texts on our uh, wrestling segment. Boys, Blue Blazer is my favorite wrestler. Bonus points if you can tell me which famous wrestler played the Blue Blazer from uh, Slee's Bucket. Wasn't that Owen Hart? It was. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah I just watched Owen. that episode. That was kind of the inspiration to get him on, actually. Yeah. Yeah, good episode. Yeah. The blue blazer, the sleeves going old school, man. Oh, the great thing about
2: wrestling is—I've been watching a long time, but man, yeah, there's still so many characters that you don't forget. Oh, uh, Carrie Brown, Duke Myers. Uh, I love that we we're talking Marty Janetti. hadn't hadn't thought of the Rockers in a while. <laughs> Ax and Smash were unbelievable in Demolition. Oh, there's so many. Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Remember Rick Rude. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh
3: God! Even doink! So... Oh yeah, doink! See, I never really got into doink. No, the clown, I but... didn't like them, but I I want to no. learn about him now. Oh. God, there's so many that were, like, and the thing was,
2: you could have, no one, the thing about wrestling, if you liked a guy, we're like, oh, yeah, I, I understand why you like him, and then you'd mention who you liked, and are like, oh, yeah, I get it, right, like, the Cuban assassin, Bad News Allen, oh, man, it doesn't matter if I'm, I'm crossing over Stampede and and WWE, because it was a different time in my life, I never would have watched WWE until we moved to the Duke, because we got cable, right, and I remember it was on at midnight on, I think that was CBS, if I'm not mistaken, channel well, it's channel six, so I'm pretty sure that was CBS way back when in the uh, in the in the mid 80s. But it was, oh, it was awesome, man. Like I loved it. that was the time it would come on. I'd stay up late sometimes, sneak. I remember I'd set my alarm because my parents would be sleeping. I would set
3: my alarm and sneak out and watch wrestling. <laughs> I used to have to record uh, WCW Monday Night Nitro.
1: Oh, and I think God. they
3: re-aired it on Wednesdays on TSN. I would get up before school to go down and watch it. Oh, man. I love that era of wrestling. It was fantastic. Oh, God, it was. Like, Rick Rude was just so, when you think
2: it's so terrible, but so funny. <laughs> Mr. Perfect.
3: <laughs> Still the best uh, little promo vids. That one where he, like, throws the football. Oh, runs yes. 100 yards and catches <laughs> Yes.
2: <it. laughs> oh, yeah. Like, his, there is, like, Mr. Perfect, you're right. His video, like, his promos were perfect. They were so good and so cocky. Oh, it was awesome. Hey guys, my buddy and I just watched WrestleMania six last night. Classic Warrior versus Hogan. Oh man, like remember, like Warrior's entrance. It was so simple, but so awesome. That's what I loved about it. Hey guys, remember Jason the Terrible? <laughs> oh, that's a cool. That's a really good pull from Stampede Wrestling. Oh, hey guys, what about Coco Beware? I, I used to dye his hair, right? He had the parrot on it, but didn't he used to dye his hair different colors at times? I'm pretty sure he did. So he had, the, like, the blonde hair and stuff. Oh, Coco Beware.
3: Man. Uh, but, yeah, like, Muccasing, Gamasing, all of them. See, I didn't know Coco Beware. I think I just before my time with the parrot, but Jake the Snake? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, when he brought that snake out, did not like it. Oh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Oh God, that guy could, like, go across the whole
2: ring, it seems. Amazing. <laughs> uh. Hey, guys, a family member of mine used to do local wrestling, and his name was Vanilla Bryce. He dressed it up as a gladiator. Vanilla Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Hey, guys, Strangler Steve DeSalvo. That is a real old school. But who are the guys that were always the guys that got beat up? Right? Remember the one? Oh, he always wore, like, the cutoff jeans. And this is more on WWE. Oh, God, I can't remember his name. So funny. And you knew he was. That was the one where, yeah, this guy's losing. And I remember once he won one. And you were just like, what? Shocked by it. So, Hey, Greg's old school. Archie the Stomper. Yeah, he was a little bit more dying time. For sure. But uh, I, I knew Archie. I Remember Goldie? Goldie Rogers? Oh, gosh. I love wrestling. And the thing is, most of you listening will have at least one favorite wrestler. Doesn't matter. Like, hello, Trish Stratus. Kidding me? Yoza. Big fan of the Trish. Let's get to uh, Tell Me I'm Wrong. Connor Halley edition. Brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of no interest for one year and no payments on your AC unit. Stay cool all summer. Like a CD. That's yeah. The Jason Greger Show presents Tell Me I'm Wrong.
3: All right, Gregor, uh, one thing I've noticed, I, the last couple of months here, driving home from work, uh, there's an establishment on the south side of the city uh, that has cookies, uh, a new cookie company in town, and there is always a lineup for them. And I was trying to think about it, like when I drive by, what what is worth it? And I, I know it's the younger generation. I can tell the clientele when I go by, and I'm sure a lot of it is to get it on the social media and say that you've had it. Um, I just don't get it though. What, what is worth waiting an hour plus for when it comes to food? I mean, I guess if you go to a restaurant, hypothetically, you're sitting down, but you can have a drink, you can have appetizers, you're mingling. It's that sort of thing, but sitting and waiting in line in cold weather for an hour or two is something I just don't understand, especially for a cookie. Now I will say, uh, now my wife, Ashley, she took advantage once and went uh, during an Oilers playoff game where the line was very minimal and did get Smart. us a couple of those cookies. Yeah, timing's everything. But tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I just can't justify going and waiting outside for hour, two hours or so. Like the lines are a couple hundred people deep for a cookie.
2: Well, here's the thing. You had the cookie. It was a good cookie, right? But it yeah. wasn't like the greatest cookie you've ever had. No, hey, not even good people could have went to the grocery store bought sugar sh- vanilla eggs oil flour baking powder and make their own cookies homemade chocolate chip cookies put a little bit of salt on it unbelievable they're going to be just as good you can have way more doesn't cost you as much and you know you could learn how to bake them yourselves Rather than wait in line for an hour. Like, I am totally with you. I am, I am not a line waiter. No. When I was younger, my buddies used to laugh. I found ways to make sure that I would befriend the doorman at Barry T's and whatever, and we never waited in line. All right, One of the best go-to moves. I remember showing up at the doors, minus 30. I we're driving there I the top. My buddy said, stop here. We're going to buy some hot chocolates. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, trust me. We bought four <laughs> hot chocolates. I wheel up to, to, uh, the dorman, and I'm like, hey, fellas, how you doing? Here's four hot chocolates for you. Boom. We're right in. I never wait in line again. I'm like, hey, do you want me to get a drink for you to put in that? No, no, We're good. Little things <laughs> like that. Cause I refused to wait in line. It was the worst. I'm like, hey, if we go to one bar and there's a line, let's just walk down the street. It's not going to be that much better. But waiting for cookies? No, it's stupid. It's not even that good. You're getting sucked in. You're like, bah. it's called sheep. That's <laughs> what it is. I can't tell you're wrong. Concept.
3: Yeah. I mean, Hey, I will say like, if, if you want to try it, go for it. They, they're, they're good cookies, but waiting in line for it. I just can't do it. Like I'll go to the grocery store. I'll buy a 12 pack for the cost of a cookie and a half. And I'll be totally content with, you know, it's save on or Safeway or whatever it might be, or other bakeries in town. Have fine products, but yeah, waiting in in that line, just not worth it. And I'm with you. I think it was around 25 or 26 where I got past the point of waiting in lines. If if we were on White Ave and the line was long, let's just go somewhere else. Not worth it, and uh, a lot of people agreeing. But go try the cookie. It's a good cookie if you uh, don't have the line.
2: Now, many of you got the correct answer, the Brooklyn Brawler. He was the guy that I couldn't remember, so thank you, many of you. I love it. The Brooklyn Brawler, uh, Barry Horowitz, was another one. <laughs> uh, guys, yeah, Barry Horowitz was the guy in the jeans that would get beat up. He almost uh he'd pat himself on the back during the intros. Jason, you have a great memory. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Oh, gosh, so awesome. Hey, boys, what about Jesse the Body Ventura? Oh, one time as a teenager, I used Jesse the Body Ventura to book a golf time at Rundle Park. They announced it as Mr. <laughs> Ventura. You're up. It's actually pretty awesome. Oh. Hey, guys, some of those businesses pay people to stand in line to drive up
3: business. Come on. Really? That's just a deterrent to me. I wouldn't think, oh, I want to go wait in that line. It's. I'll come check it out later. I'll give it a month. Hey, Gregs that was Saturday
2: night main event Woo! from Jeff. Yes, it was, Jeff. Thank you. I like it. Hey, Gregor, no way you'd go to Disneyland. All you do is wait in line. Well, you're probably right. <laughs> I've never been to Disneyland. It's uh yeah. Now, hey, you're going on a ride. It's the only ride you can go on? Sure, some rides have longer lineups than others, but... Yeah, I I would guarantee you, though, whatever the time the park opens, I'm there early. It's like I go to the farmer's market. You go to most things in life right now, you go there early, you're in, you're out, it's unbelievable. Except Costco on a Saturday at 9 a.m. Even then, it's okay. But if you try to wait till 10.30, you're screwed. Can't do it. Unless you're willing to just wait and wait in line. Fast Pass is your friend at Disneyland. I'll say that. Yeah, but I heard they changed the rules on Fast Pass, someone told me. Oh, okay. Well... Yeah, that now it only Not lets cool. you go so, like, cut in half the line or something. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So what's the point then? Yeah. What's the point? Uh, hey, speaking of passing, and Matt, what a crazy weekend this past weekend. How about Imagine if you're at an event and a car tire goes flying off into the parking lot and hits your car. Well, that actually happened at Indy. And the the person, her vehicle, they ended up buying her a brand-new car. We'll discuss that and more when we return to The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 347, Eminence Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Happy Thursday, Jason Gregor. Connor Halley with you. Struds will be back uh, tomorrow. You can always text us 101260. Email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, jgreger at tsn1260.ca. Let's get to the racing report now brought to you by Can Torque. They have so much that needs to go. Discontinued pneumatic torque wrenches, flange spreaders, alignment tools, and more. Save 20 to 40% off all new items. Check them out at cantorque.com. Colin Livingston joins us, uh, once again. Now, before we get to, uh, uh, racing, uh, were you a wrestling fan, Livingston? Did you ever have any wrestling, uh, faves? Did you watch it growing up?
1: Oh, big time Stampede wrestling fan back in the, the days that, uh, Ed Whalen was the, the, the announcer and yeah, Mucka Singh and, uh, and, uh, the, the, the Heart Foundation. And yeah, I loved it.
2: Oh, buddy, it was awesome. So we were, uh, uh, we were talking wrestling earlier and it's, uh, everybody has a favorite wrestler, uh, which is, uh, which is fantastic. So, um. Let's get to, uh, racing because there was, uh, there's lots going on in the, in the racing world. I guess let's start with, uh, I, I think the big story ha- has to be the, uh, you know, the indie race and the tire into the crowd and kind of after seeing it and, and everything, like, what goes through your mind with something like, thankfully nothing happened and you know, the lady, no one was injured or car was wrecked, but she's going to get a brand new car out of it. So, so that's fantastic. But, you know, kind of how would something like that happen?
1: That's, a real freak uh situation so indycar uh for i mean almost two decades has run what are called wheel tethers and you know they're they're basically you know um straps that that connect the 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 wheels to the chassis so if there is a hard impact uh the the mechanism is restrained what happened with this where, where Kyle Kirkwood, uh, made contact, I think it was Rosenquist, uh, very light contact. It wasn't a big deal, but what happened is the wheel itself, it looks like it sheared off. Now, to be, to be fair, IndyCar and, um, and the teams are going to do uh, a major, uh, investigative analysis to find out what actually happened. But the fact it seems like the wheel itself actually sheared uh, at the wheel nut which caused that wheel to launch up uh fortunately it went between uh the the suite building outside of turn two and the last section of uh grandstand seats it just happened to to miss everyone uh you know did some damage to a car but if if that wheel hap like it cleared the fence if it happened to be on a slightly different um angle getting into the grandstands would have been a total disaster i mean uh there would have been you know major injuries if not if not death so it's it, indy cars is, is an awful lot of things but they're not complacent when it comes to safety and and they respond very quickly and very appropriately so hopefully they they come up with the idea and and uh and a solution to make sure that this this can't happen going forward
2: yeah it uh it always not great now uh what about the pit road um, and since uh, losing tracks and uh, ed- ed- exiting their pits, you know, what's going on there?
1: Well, this uh, one was a, I want to say inexperienced driver, but Catherine Leg is a, uh, a veteran going back to the champ car days, uh, running the, the real high horsepower. This is her first open wheel race in, in many, many years. Um, left her pit stall, when, when you do that, I mean, there's kind of a procedure and, and, They, they practice a lot during, uh, the, the week and a half lead up to the 500 where they, you know, they rev the engine, the, the clutch releases on the steering wheel. They dump the clutch, the wheels spin. And at at a certain point, the tires will bite and you drive away at, at pit road speed. But what happened to, to Catherine and series regular Renus VK, they left the pits. The tires are spinning. And at, at one point, they just either over, over rotated. And, um, you know, essentially fishtailed their car into the wall. It was um, I, I don't ever remember seeing it, no. but that's the kind of pressure that they're they're under because every tenth of a second counts. So they're pushing everything to the absolute max. And, and when you do that, if if you make uh, even the smallest mistake, those kinds of things can happen. Unfortunately, for for both of them ended their day.
2: Yeah, that was. Uh, I was just kind of was curious as to what led to it uh, happening, but I'll say this, man. Like Indy, that was at three point six six million for uh, for New Garden. He claims his first Indy. Like that's a pretty big uh, winner's uh, sum for him. It's it's like it's gaining some pretty good traction here again. It seems like IndyCar is on the way back up a bit.
1: Yeah, I um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about some of the comments from from Formula One uh, people and. Talking about how they're going to, you know, d- potentially displace IndyCar. Um, if you watch the, again, the broadcast and the, the caliber of racing, you just never know who's going to win. And, and without question, it's, it's the best racing that's out there. Um, the, to, to be fair, the, the 3.6, all of these deals, um, that, that money will go to the team for sure. Uh, but, there are a handful of drivers that have clauses where they'll get a percentage of the prize money. So hopefully Joseph, I, you know, Penske is obviously extremely fair with their drivers. Um, He'll, he'll see a nice chunk of that for sure. And there's probably a bonus in his contract for winning the 500. Um But yeah, I mean, the prize money seems to be, um, you know, definitely stabilizing. There's, obviously there were 34 entries so there were there were bumps again this year which uh fans really like seeing bump day but man i i just i get heartbroken for these guys like graham Hall who who missed the show and then get back into the show um but it, i think it's going to keep getting bigger uh to where there's likely going to be 35 36 37 people attempting to make the show in in uh b- you know before too long i won't say next year but but it's coming
2: I think so too. And uh, I, you're right. It does suck for those people that there, but it it creates a, a little bit more excitement uh, for sure. Um, now Kyle Kirkwood's crash. He yeah. flipped up his visor. You sent me this video. Now, Grant, I watched it a few times because I'm like, what are you talking about? But it, I finally saw like he flipped up his visor while he's still going over a hundred miles per hour. So obviously he's very comfortable in that, but like that's pretty abnormal you don't see guys doing that very often
1: i've never seen that happen um so to to kind of you know set the scene in that same that same incident that lost the wheel what happened to kirkwood when uh when he was clipped by rosenquist uh that that wheel instantly sheared off flew away his car spun got caught up in the wall, which flipped it onto its, you know, essentially onto its, onto its top, onto its roof, even though the cars don't have a roof. And he was sliding backwards, sparks everywhere. And his in-car video shows him like essentially as he's riding along the wall, he opens up his visor, which I, I could not figure out because, you know, there's, there's crap, you know, it's not only is, is your car being ground to pieces, a ground to dust, but you're on the part of the track that's, that doesn't get driven on. So there's all kinds of stuff that would have been getting kicked in there. Um, He rides around with his visor open for a good long time. And then just as his car basically comes to a stop, he he puts his visor back down. And there was a lot of uh, talk that the signal that the drivers are instructed to give the safety workers when they're in an incident that they're okay is to flip their visor up. Oh, okay. I read, But I read an article today from Kirkwood that said when when he got upside down, it was so dark, he couldn't see where he was. And it was just an instinct. He didn't even knew, know he did it until he saw the video afterwards because he was trying to figure out where he was. He didn't know if he was upside down, right side up, couldn't figure it out. So it was just a, a subconscious reaction, but a pretty crazy video.
2: It was, it was, uh, well, that whole indie race was, uh, compare the indie race to the F1 race. And I'm sorry, it's not even comparable. If you're just looking for excitement, because the, the F1 race was basically a parade of cars until the rain came. If it doesn't rain, that might have gone down as one of the most least entertaining races ever.
1: Uh, yeah i mean it's it's kind of a contest at monaco um i am not a fan i believe that monaco's uh, been outgrown by the size of the cars the power um you, you know it's just it's just not suitable anymore the commentators um you know martin brundle specifically during the the broadcast on sunday was talking about don't tell me that you know f1's outgrown this place and he even said you know contradictorily that this race was won on Saturday, which means whoever qualifies up front, you know, essentially has the race to, to to win. Now, let's take the rain out of the equation because that had the potential to mix things up, even though it was really only a midfield thing. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's parade laps. Um, I think I sent you a picture. At one point in the race, Esteban Ocon, um, it was only after about 25 laps. He was seventeen. So he was running third. He was seventeen seconds behind Alonso in second, and then there was a, a pack of five cars that were each about a second and a half behind him. Meaning that they were way quicker than him, but they just couldn't pass. Like they were, they had the the potential to do almost a second a lap faster. Had he not been there and they just couldn't do anything about it. And that, I mean, I don't care about the history of this place. It just doesn't provide good racing.
2: No, not at all. It's, uh, it's extremely boring when you, when you have to, uh, um, you know, obviously the, if you have to wait for rain and just to have it wet and people put on the slicks to, to make it entertaining, like sure. If your tracks entertaining before, and then the rain comes, it makes even more entertaining. No problem. But, um, it just seems like, hey, I looked at Monaco, you, everybody's in on their boat. Like, I just think money talks when it comes to that track, and that's why they're not going to change.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and but now it's done, and we kind of get to go back to normal here this weekend because IndyCar, um, you know, they move on to Detroit, a uh, brand new racetrack. Uh, it's still going to be a, a street circuit, but, um, you know, it's going to be more downtown where the old one was run on Belle Isle and F1 is going to be back at Barcelona, uh, where we get to see this new configuration where they've taken out the final chicane. Um, hopefully it leads to a bit more passing opportunity because the cars will be carrying way more speed, um, and, and have a, have a better chance to kind of draft up, um, you know, behind, behind cars that they're following and, and ideally make a, make a pass.
2: Yeah, that's obviously what they've done it for, right, is to hope to enhance it uh, um, for the Spanish uh, Grand Prix. Uh, when you looked at because you showed me the picture, and I saw it online, that the two difference, and you see it in turns uh, 10, 11, 12, and 13, it's just going to be a lot quicker, right, especially coming out of 13 to 14 where it's basically a back straightaway and it's a DRS det- a detection zone now, uh, so they have two DRS zones. Uh, now, I've, I've had some people say that, now, are you a fan of DRS?
1: Um, I'm a fan of DRS compared to the old way where cars just couldn't pass, but I'm way more of a fan of, of the IndyCar method of, you know, push to pass that can theoretically be used at any time at any place, but you only get a fixed amount um, I would rather see something like that uh, incorporated into F1 versus DRS. But without it, these cars go back. You know, again, the the new design was supposed to facilitate more passing, but um, it just hasn't happened.
2: Colin Limson joins us in the Can'tork Racing Report. Uh, one last one for you, uh, Colin. Um, NASCAR, like, are you, did you pass out? Did you hit your head when they actually penalized the driver for intentionally wrecking another driver?
1: My, uh, my issues with NASCAR are well documented, but when they do something right, I, I have no problem, um, mentioning it. Yeah. I mean, Chase Elliott suspended. I mean, Chase Elliott, first of all, for, for all the people that, that watch NASCAR or, or don't anymore, Chase is NASCAR royalty. And there's always, um, you know, a little undercurrent that certain drivers get certain exemptions and all the rest. Like Chase Elliott is, as high rated within the NASCAR family in the NASCAR world as, as it gets. And, and they've suspended him for one race for what they deemed, um, intentional contact on Denny Hamlin. I applaud it. I think they were right. Um, you know, Denny made, uh, I'm not going to say he made a bad move. He, he definitely lost control of his car coming out of a corner, uh, pushed up, definitely made contact with Elliot, but Elliot, uh, reacted to that, uh, turned him, you know, uh, destroyed Hamlin's car, could have injured him. Uh, definitely a sign that that nascar might be moving in the right direction
2: well dare to dream call dare to dream my man <laughs> uh have a great week we'll talk to you next uh next thursday
1: look forward to it thanks for
2: It's call and the race report brought to you by Cantor. i'll say that the indy race is phenomenal Lots of stuff happening there. Obviously, not all great. The tire going in and over everybody. Thankfully, nobody got injured. And luckily for the one lady, she ends up with a brand new car. So that's, uh, that's the one positive for that. Let's get to, uh, Connor Halley and a sports center update brought to you by the Edmonton Police Service. They're hiring a rewarding career with over 100 different roles. Discover your policing career by visiting newepsrecruits.ca.